0: By the sound of my voice, but that we might be able to get some comfort from your words. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. amen. Amen. All right, now we've been talking about this thing about the baptisms and those kind of things. It's important to make sure you understand that there's more than one baptism. It's also important that you understand that when we talk about a second baptism, we're not talking about a baptism in the sense of a physical baptism what we're talking about is is most of the time the word baptism shows up it has nothing to do with water at all and you don't just take that one definition of that one word and say well baptism is always associated with water i showed you the baptism of israel and i showed you that it was what you might call peter's baptism it's not john's baptism john's baptism was done to reveal the messiah And then Peter's baptism is for the nation of Israel. In Acts chapter 238, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. That baptism comes after a dissertation where Peter is telling them that y'all are the ones that crucified the Lord of glory. And Peter tells them, Now what you need to do is repent of what you just did and get baptized. That's not for you. And if you take that, it you. Matter of fact, come, if you will, to Matthew 28 real quick before I get to this other one. If you take that, then you equate part of your uh, uh, salvation being connected with uh, baptism. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You're baptized into Christ, not in water. That happens the moment you get saved, whether or not you got saved uh, sitting in your, in your car, whether you got saved. Brother Br- Brad got saved uh, by, beside his bed. Uh, I got saved at the corner of a dining room table in Miami, Florida. And the day I got saved, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, my eyes didn't roll back in my head. I didn't hospital Sean tie a bow tie, economy Honda, and so on and so forth. If the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, then why doesn't everybody speak in tongues? I showed you on uh, last uh, Wednesday or last Sunday, excuse me, I showed you the proper use of the word tongues and how it is a language and how it never involved women anywhere in the Bible and it was never done as evidence to anything other than an unbelieving Jew. When Cornelius speaks in tongues in Acts chapter number 10, Peter is there as well as a bunch of other unsaved and unbelieving Jews because they were taught that the Holy Ghost could not go to the Gentile. Now you have Gentiles that are there and the Lord allows Cornelius to speak in their language so they can hear it and understand it. And Peter scratches his head and said, well, how's that happen? And the Lord said, it's going to the Gentile now. That happens when after Acts 9, when Paul gets knocked off his house, there's Saul off of his horse, and now he'll become Paul. And then Peter comes in Acts 10 there to Cornelius. By the time you're at Acts 15, the Apostle Peter says about the Apostle Paul, we believe as he believed. That means the death, the burial, and the resurrection, because now it has been laid out to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's gospel, ladies and gentlemen, was not known until the Apostle Paul. Now, this will be difficult for some of you that are visiting because you think that all the way back to the days of Adam and Eve, you think everybody is saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You think that it's always been either looking forward to the cross or looking back to the cross. That's not how people got saved in the Old Testament. If Noah had not built an ark, he, wouldn't have, wouldn't have, he would have drowned like everybody else. He wouldn't have been saved. He was saved by building an ark. When Abraham was brought up there, it was counted to him for righteousness because he believed God. And the justification doesn't come until later on when he offers Isaac. You don't have to offer anything. When you get saved, ladies and gentlemen, you're saved and you're sealed to the day of redemption. Your salvation is secure. You don't have to worry about somebody taking your salvation away from you. As a matter of fact, when we get to this thing about the fear of the Lord, if I can ever get it wrapped up, you're going to find out that in 1 John 4, he said, perfect love casts out fear. So they try to teach you that fearing God is wrong. That passage is for you that are believers that don't have to fear, worrying about losing your salvation or going to hell anymore. You don't have to worry about it. You say, what? Perfect love, the love of Jesus Christ for you, once you were adopted into the beloved. You're in Christ, and as a result of being in Christ, you never have to worry about that again. Now, I do recommend that you still fear the Lord. I'll show you that. And I do recommend that you worry about the terror of the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And I do think it's a good motivator sometimes, because if the fear of the Lord is clean, it means that you should work on your holiness, not becoming a holiness, but you should work on living a clean life. There's nothing wrong with living a clean life. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. And nowadays, anybody that has any standard whatsoever, they think, well, you're a legalist. I'm not a legalist. I just believe that there are certain rules in life you ought to learn to live by. I think it's a filthy habit to do some of the things that Christians nowadays figure, well, it's okay. It doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference, ladies and gentlemen, how you live your life because it hurts your testimony. nothing else, if you would hear what I'm saying this morning, if nothing else, if you could please remember this, your testimony sometimes speaks so loudly that they can't hear what you're saying. Carnality is rampant among Bible believers nowadays, and nowadays Christians are doing just about anything that unsaved people are doing, and it's kind of come down to the lowest common denominator. There's nothing wrong with living a life above the muck and the mud of the world. (laughs) Nothing wrong with saying no to certain things, certain places, and yes, even certain people. Well, what about those people? Well, I'm glad the Lord loves you, but I can't hang around you. You say, why? You're doing things I don't have any business being around. You get guilty by association, even if you're not there. Well, I didn't do anything. Yeah, but nobody would even be asking if you were doing anything if you weren't there. And I mentioned this to you on Sunday, much to your chagrin and much to your uh, 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 disgruntledness about it. But I said some of you support people through Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. And you're signed on in their threads and they're running stuff out there in social media that you have no business being a part of. You're condoning it. You're making them feel like, well, it's okay. And you don't see anybody of any uh, 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 special spiritual hierarchy in that list of people that are on that. Well, why not? They have better sense than to be involved in that. But you're more afraid of man than you are afraid of God. If you feared God, you know what you'd say? Take me off this thread. Yes. But you're afraid because you're gonna be afraid you'll miss out on the gossip, and if you cut yourself out of the thread, then you're afraid they're gonna be talking about you the way you've been talking about others. Yeah. Amen. Look at this thing in reference to baptism. Now I'm not getting on to you already this morning. I'm just trying to let you know that, that when it comes to doing things right and rightly dividing your Bible, you don't need to be apologetic about it. There's not, there's no shame in being clean. There's no shame in doing right. There's no shame in saying, no, thank you. I don't care for that. You mean you don't drink? No, I mean I don't drink. Yep. I don't give them a dissertation. I don't give them what the rules say, what the law says, what the statistics say, how many homes I've seen wrecked and torn up by all that kind of stuff. I'm simply saying, no, thank you. You don't have to worry about ever worrying about it again. I'll not be back for you to have to worry about me telling you no. I make them uncomfortable. You say, why? You put the big wine glass down there and sit there and, no, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Well, I mean, can we just leave it on the table? I'd appreciate it if you'd take it off the table. Yes, you say, why? Yes, I don't want somebody to think I might. Right. But, that I'm waiting until later or I'm going to have a little after dinner, or whatever. Yes, I, I, I mean, that's just me now. I don't care if it doesn't matter if it's you. It's just me. I don't want the stuff on the table. Well, isn't that embarrassing? It might be for them. doesn't bother me. Right. I'm paying for the meal. Right. Well, I care if the guy on the table next to me looks at me and says, well, how come you don't have a wine glass on your table? Because I ain't drinking. I mean, you know, eyeballing my food and that kind of a thing right here. I'll stab you in the eye with a fork, man. (laughs) The very idea that you're worried about that. You know what bothers me about that is if you go to a party or something and you tell them you're a recovering alcoholic. And you know what they'll do? They'll, They'll stand up and defend you. Now, don't don't offer him anything and don't be tempting him with that kind of stuff. But you set up and say, I don't want that, I'm a Christian. Yeah. The very same people that would defend you if you said you were an alcoholic, they'll treat you like a redheaded stepchild. I can say that because I'm redheaded. I wasn't a stepchild, but I was redheaded, so. All right, now look at this thing about the, the baptism here and talking about a baptism with Israel. The Bible says, pick it up in 16, Matthew 28, 16. Oh, 13, his disciples are there, and then uh, they took the money, and then verse number, there it is, 16. The 11 disciples went away to Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to 11 disciples, right? All right, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all what? Amen. Now you want to grab a hold of that. You say, why? You're told to preach in this dispensation, not teach. Right. And you teach people, individuals, not nations. This is to the apostles. This isn't to you. This isn't a great commission. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to go witness. It means you want to make sure that you get the rest of this down pat. You say, why? Go and notice what he says. Teach all nations. Look at verse 19. Baptizing them. Do you see that? Well, is baptism a part of your gospel? No. You know what that'll be? That'll be the same thing that the Lord will give the 144,000 male virgin Jews in the tribulation period. You know what he'll say? I'll be with you all the way to the end. You see it in the passage? That's the end of the tribulation. That has nothing to do with you. Now, if you utilize that right there, you know what you just did? You just added to the gospel that you have to be baptized to be saved. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. I've seen many an individual step out of this life and into the next life, and they never got off the hospital bed. They walked right out of the hospital bed and right into the morgue over there, or excuse me, to the cemetery, to the grave, the, the, the funeral home, and then prepare them and then put them in a box, and they never did get wet with water. It has nothing to do with your salvation at all. You see, where are the abs from the body and present with the Lord? Well, you know, they got into the last minute. They didn't get anything. They got in. That's the thing you want to remember. I mean, it's never too late to get in. You work out all the details later on, but it beats the fire out of hell. Yes, sir. So you want to make sure that you recognize clearly that this baptism we're going to talk about, and then just go ahead and go to First Corinthians 12. The baptism we're going to talk about has nothing whatsoever to do uh, with your you know, baptism as far as water is concerned. And it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. Baptism for you, you say, well, you're a Baptist church. You have a baptismal pool and you put water in there and you uh, put people under. Yes, it's a testimony of a good conscience toward God. Maybe you haven't had much of a testimony. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you haven't uh, really uh, feel like you don't know a whole lot about the Bible. And so therefore, you feel like it's very hard to have a testimony. Well, it's a good testimony for you to stand there without saying anything. You're buried with Christ like he was and raised again the newness of life. It's a picture of your baptism. 1 Corinthians 15 says you're being baptized for the dead. That's not Mormon theology where you go into your tree in the family tree and sit up there and say, well, I'm baptized for these people that weren't Mormons. No, it has to do with baptized for people that would be in a congregation watching you that are dead in trespasses and sin. And they get to see an outward testimony of a Christian submitting themselves to baptism and going over in the water and coming back up. Why is he doing that? Well, it's a picture of what's already happened on the inside. You say, why is that, preacher? Because they don't understand spirituality spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit for they are spiritually discerned, neither can he know them. Now you understand clearly what I'm saying because you're spiritual, you're saved. You have a sixth sense Those individuals can't see it. You have to draw it out for them and you have to give them sort of a color representation of that. They understand the things of a man, say the spirit of man. That's 1 Corinthians 2 again. They can understand seeing a picture of a man going down and coming back up. But spiritually they can't get it. He doesn't get it. So your testimony allows them to be able to see something they can, that they can comprehend and something that they have an ability to adhere to, to be able to watch, to look at and say, oh, okay, well, I can, I can understand that. But to expect them to understand the spiritual birth we're talking about right now, it's beyond them to get it. You say, why? They don't have the capacity. They're not saved yet. Now, some of you have a hard time because you sit down with people sometimes and you just, you just rapid fire verses at them. All the time, you rapid-fire verses, even when it comes to salvation. I believe in the Romans' road. I believe in giving them the Scripture. I give them over there in Isaiah 53, wounded for our transgressors, bruised for our iniquities, chastised with his peace, laid upon him. By his stripes we're healed. I believe, come, let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as snow. I believe Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you and man come and open him, he'll come in with him and he'll sup with him. I believe, for God so loved the world. I believe all those verses... But the problem is, is when you rattle those things off like a machine gun to unsaved people, you're familiar with them. They don't know what you're talking about. Now, let me help you with something, okay? There's too much pressure on you that you think you have to know Genesis to Revolution in the Bible before you have the capacity to witness to somebody. You don't have to know that stuff. You have to know the one that wrote it, Jesus. You know the greatest testimony you have? Let me just tell you what Jesus did for me. That woman at the well in John chapter number four, she comes over there and when she gets saved over there, she had five husbands, not on her own. I mean, the epitome of a home wrecker. She comes up there and without any lessons at all, without any classes at all, without any new members' classes, without any classes on rightly dividing, without any of that stuff, all she does is go into the town and say, come see a man who told me everything I did. And you know what she did? She turned out the whole town. Let him tell them. But at least she brought him. Now, see, that takes the pressure off of you. Do you know all the answers from A to Z? Do you know Einstein's theory of relativity? Do you know how it plays in with the Bible? Do you know this? No, but I know Jesus. Amen. I know where I'm going when I die. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Doesn't that take pressure off of you? I mean, it's good to play dumb sometimes. I mean, they're not going to understand it anyway. You're gonna, you, they don't have any ability to even argue with you about it. They're lost. They don't have enough Bible to fill a thimble. You're not impressing anybody, but what I don't like is, is that oftentimes, like a lady told me this past week, she said, I never would have believed the devil used scripture to keep me from witnessing to other people. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, I thought you had to know all of these things and all of this stuff and be able to give a dissertation on all that stuff in order to be able. She said, I was scared to witness somebody. I'm afraid they'd ask a question I couldn't answer. I said, I get questions like that every week. I mean, you never have somebody come up to you and ask you questions about the Bible you don't get. And you don't even understand. You're thinking to yourself, well, what in the world, man? I don't know the Bible. I should just keep my mouth shut. Just tell him what you do know. Amen. Now, if you've met Jesus Christ, whether it's on the road to Damascus or on the road to, you know, Washington, for that matter, you probably need him up there. <laughs> but wherever it is that you met him, just tell him what the Lord did for you. That's all there is to the thing, and that takes pressure off. Now, I didn't say don't study to show yourself approved unto God, a work that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I didn't say don't give attendance to reading. I never said that. I said that you don't have to know all the answers. You have to know Him. Amen. Yes. And you'd be surprised if you walk with Him and talk with Him long enough. I mean, i got news for you. I know some people that really, they don't know half of the Bible you know, but they sure do know Jesus. Yes. They can get a hold of the Lord anytime they need to get a prayer through. They know how to talk to the Lord and how to walk with the Lord. They're some of the kindest, sweetest, most hospitable people you've ever met in your life. If you sat down and asked them to show you the eight dispensations in the Bible and stuff like that, they'd faint. They don't know what you're talking about. They'll just say, you know, preacher, I don't know what that is. I know what it ain't. That ain't for me, so I ain't worried about it. You get them tied up in Matthew, Acts, and Hebrews with all those Verses on there where they talk about you could lose your salvation and stuff like that. They look at you like a blinking frog in a hailstorm, man. They're, they're just, you know, they don't know anything. But boy, get to talk about the love of God, and the grace of God, and the goodness of God, and the mercy of God. Man, they'll, they'll smother you in hugs and kisses and so glad you're saved and be able to minister to people. I call them God's foot washers. You say, why? Because they're just always serving and helping and trying to do something. And they don't, you know, you you see, you, you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, the stuff I'm trying to teach you. If all it does is go to your head, all you need is a bigger hat to be able to get through the back door, cover the circumference of your head. That's intended to go to your heart. If it doesn't go to your heart and help you to help other people, it's not any good. All that intellect doesn't do anything. It can make your head swell. and It can make you the tin man. And then every time you walk, you squeak. People live in hospital beds. And people live in nursing homes. And people live in wheelchairs. And people live with sickness at the door all the time. And that kind of stuff. The kind of religion that, that talks about the head all the time is nothing but a religion. Amen. The relationship that ministers to people where they are, that's the relationship that reaches people. The stuff I'm showing you is not so you can go out there and show everybody everything's to make you realize I got to the bottom of everything that the Lord is. But if it ever gets to the point that it prevents you from serving other people, washing people's feet. And don't worry, you can kick your shoes off here. I'm not washing your nasty feet and that kind of a thing. What I am saying, though, in mind, the Lord said this. When he got up from that table in John 13 and he laid aside his garment and he girded himself with a towel and grabbed a wash basin after he washed those feet. You know what he said? He said, by this, they'll know you're my disciples. How you treat each other. Serving one another. Not just the act of foot washing. Now, if you could get a hold of that, I'm telling you, you can minister anybody, anywhere, at any time. Somebody's laid out because of a bad car wreck or somebody's laying in the hospital and that kind of a stuff. And they're in pain and they're screaming, they're hollering, they're scared, they're petrified. I mean, they don't know what's going to happen. They're waiting for the white coat to come in and tell them stuff like that. That's not a great time to tell them about rightly dividing the word. Not a great time to tell them about 1-1 and 1-2 in the book of Genesis. Not a great time to tell them about all the other things that you might know that makes God real. It's a great time for you to minister to them and to try to help them and to say and pray with them. And thank the Lord that he's with us and able to help us and able to meet our every need. And it ain't the time to 828 them. That ain't the time to walk in there, you know. Well, we know that's easy. We'll just swap places with you. Wait, you're laying down there. I mean, that's a tough thing. Now you want to grab a hold of that, you say, why? Because I'm showing you things that just because you know more than most preachers and most Christians in Duval County, it doesn't make you better than them. Amen. It's that you know all that stuff. Here's Jesus Christ. He comes down here. I think he's God manifest in the flesh. If the Bible's right in the mysteries Amen. I taught you. Amen. Is that right? Yes, sir. So he's all God and he's all man, right? Yes, sir. How much time does he spend giving you all the major details of things? You know what he teaches his disciples? How to minister to other people. Amen. You've missed that. Coming to church is not just to increase your intellect. It's to enlarge your heart. To make you realize, man, after God did this for me, I got a responsibility to do this for other people. Help them out. Be a a blessing to them. That's where your rewards go up there. You're not going to take a test when you get up to the judgment seat. You think the Lord's going to get up there and quiz you on the books in the Bible? What about before 1611? He's going to hold you accountable. You had it and had an opportunity to know it. Don't we'll put the book up now because you're not worried about taking a test, but you got to be careful about people right now that don't even have a Bible. Just because you have a Bible doesn't mean they're not going to be judged any more worthy than you are. You say, why? Something everybody can do with whatever relationship they have is you can serve other people. Nobody wants to be the servant. Nobody wants to be the foot washer. But the Lord seems to take a lot of credit about that or take a lot of, of recognition about people that are willing to do that. It's the Pharisees that thought they knew everything. You know those Pharisees? Those Pharisees never would bow their, head, bend their, uh, bow their head and bend their knee to wash the feet of anybody else. Those Pharisees say, boy, if he knew who was touching him. Lord, thank God I'm not like that that fellow over there that wicked ungodly sinner who's beaten on his chest and got his head bowed Lord I fast twice a week and I give him over and above the tithe and I do this and that and the other you want to be careful about that that's the Pharisee yes, sir. Yep. if I teach you anything that takes your heart out of it you want to be skeptical Amen. you should have your heart enlarged Amen. those boys are walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection I'm getting to this in just a second here i blowing the cream off the top here a little bit uh, the boys are walking on the road to Emmaus and the Lord shows up and the Bible says he withheld their eyes they didn't recognize him when they came up there and he said well you know why are you so sad and why are you so forlorn and all that and so, well, you didn't hear he said no I didn't hear <laughs> hear what <laughs> you didn't hear they crucified the, the Lord and the Lord said no well what's, what's all that about and they all start to talk. And before long, you know what? They said, well, why don't you come in here and eat with us, man? And the Lord turned aside and sat down to eat. And then boys get ready to grab that bread and they get ready to take a bite. And the Lord said, excuse me, fellas, just a moment. If you could, please. Yes, sir. What, what's that? Well, I'd like to thank the Lord for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I guess we should, you know. And the Lord takes that bread and tears it like this and he says father sure do appreciate you and thank you for that and and those boys immediately go this is my body which is broken for you this too, you know what that Bible said did not our hearts burn you say what when they heard him talking to the father oh taste and see that the Lord he is you know what that Bible said they'd gone several miles down the road there you know what the Bible says it says when the Lord left they ran They became marathoners. They ran back and said, you'll never believe who we had supper with. You'll never believe who we had supper with. You say, what happened? A burning heart always cares about other people getting in on it. That burning heart, they don't ever want to keep it to themselves. They want to share it. They can't wait. Intellect, it's a little bit different. You don't want to share too much because you don't want people to be quite as smart as you. Real Christianity is what you do for others. Your walk with Jesus first, others second, and you on the bottom of the pile. Modern theology is just the opposite. Yes, yourself first, others second, and Jesus on the bottom. You want to flip that thing up if you want joy. All right. Where are we at? Oh, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. I wonder why I was over here in Revelation I'm ready to wind it up, man. Let's get on, get on out of here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Why are we there? Oh, I know. Baptism. <laughs> I am not taking cold medicine. Verse 12. For the body is one. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as, for as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that body... Being many are one body, so also was Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether it be Jew or Gentiles, whether we're bond or free, and whether we've been all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, this is important for you to get. You say, why? Well, because the uh, not just the hyper-dispensationalists, but also people that are called briders. You ever heard of a brider before? Anybody heard of that? Those are, writers believe that you have to be baptized in the body of Christ. Now, how are you baptized in the body of Christ? In a pool of water. How does it have to be done? It has to be in an independent Baptist church of their choosing. And it has to be by an independent Baptist preacher who they believe descended from John the Baptist. And you have to—they actually believe this. As a matter of fact, where I grew up, up in that area, through there, all up through Tennessee, North and North Carolina, and North Georgia, all up in there, there's just a hotbed of those individuals. They're real persnickety. They're real—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're real uppity. So you go to this verse right here and say, "Well, let me ask you a question: If you're being baptized into the local church, if that's the case, how come there can be Jew, Gentile, bond, free, male, and female? There's male and female in here." There's bond and free, there's, there's Jew and Gentile, you say what? The body's talking about, there's a spiritual body. It's not a physical body, the very idea that if you're not baptized in an independent Baptist church by an independent Baptist preacher, that you can't be a part of the bride of Christ. That's as crazy as believing that you have to go to church on Saturday. That's the most ridiculous stuff. If People just don't even, why, you ain't a Seventh-day Adventist, are you? I mean, what do you do with people before the law? The Sabbath wasn't even known to weigh out an exodus when it was given to Moses. Where's your Sabbath day? Why even the Apostle Paul in Romans 13, when he runs down through the Ten Commandments, he leaves that one out. You say, why? The Sabbath was given as a sign to Israel. You're not a Jew and you're not Israel. They're just lazy when it comes to their Bible study. Well, don't talk about them that way. Well, stop being so offended. They're trying to train wreck you. That's the most ridiculous thing you ever heard in your life that they take stuff that doesn't even belong to you and put you in bondage to it. I don't have to worry about lighting a stove on Saturday. I don't have to worry about how far I walk on a Saturday. That's people being tied to some kind of law. They don't keep that law. If you've offended one point, you've offended in all. Man, I'm not under that law. Thank God I'm not under that law. You say, why? I might overate a little bit a couple of days ago. Somebody laid out a whole bunch of steak and shrimp and bunt cakes and all kind of other stuff like that. And, of course, I just said, no, a spoonful, please, you know. I did like you did. I thought I was at a smorgasbord, and I better get it while I could in case the tribulation started. Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3. It's funny. You can get them, man. You can get them real, e- real easy. They don't think it's a sin to sleep too much. Well, the Bible says a little more sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding in the hands. You can't get the, the, the garden plowed. Well, it's cold outside. I'll go another day. The garden doesn't get plowed. There's all kinds of things. How about slothfulness? You ever been lazy before? I mean, just pure tea lazy. <laughs> you sitting down on the bank of the river, man, watching the river go by there. Are you sitting at the house and your get up and go got up and went? You ever been that? That isn't just for old people. That's you just uh, just kind of like, well, I know I need to do that. Why don't you get up and do it? I don't know. I am get up and go. Got up and went. I just and then you just sit there, just lazy. That stuff can become like a pandemic before long. Man, you get lazy every day. You have to work out of that. You're naturally lazy. I'll be glad to get to heaven. He does call that rest. <laughs> But to be able to rest without a guilty conscience would be great. Amen. I mean, you know, you realize I should get up, but you just want to pull those covers over your head for just a little while longer. You never been there before? Yep. Well, God bless you. I must be in heaven. I must be. In, I must be in purgatory or something. Y'all are like, oh no, I've never been there, preacher. I I spring right out of bed. I'm very industrious. Well, God bless you. For us mortal people, sometimes we're kind of like, I, but that conscience gets on me. You need to get this done, you need to get this done, you need to get this done to get this done. Sometimes I go too far the other way. You never been there before? It's sometimes just lazy. Sometimes overeat. Sometimes not eat enough. Right. Sometimes oversleep. Sometimes not sleep enough. Right? So learning to find what that balance is and making sure that we get it right. All right, Galatians chapter number three. Look in verse number, oh, let's see, twenty four. Relation Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by what? Faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all children of God by faith. in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been uh, into Christ have, been, have put on Christ. Notice he says it again. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. If you're Christ, then uh, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that promise has to do with some things that he gave you. You get adopted into the blood. Come to Ephesians chapter number 5. Now what that means is, is when you got baptized, what he's talking about there is baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you've yet to see where anybody that's baptized there is speaking with other tongues or has the uh, gift, the sign gifts. In the book of Mark, when you come down to the end of the book of Mark there, he talks about the apostles and the signs of an apostle shall follow you and casting out devils and healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out uh, any evil thing and then drinking deadly things. And people say, well, if you're truly saved and honestly saved, you're going to have those, uh, those signs. No, it's just for the apostles. When you get saved, ladies and gentlemen, the evidence that you're saved is, is the fact that you did what the Bible said. There may not be anything outwardly. You may have a feeling, you may not have a feeling. It's a fact, I did what the Lord told me to do. That's what, that's what matters. Well, did you cry? Did you weep? Did you shake? Did you tremble? Did you speak with other tongues and all that? I don't have to depend on that. I have to depend on the Word. If I have to depend on that, then charismatics get hung up in this. Well, I know I'm still saved even though I was out all night, got drunk and fornicated and all this other kind of stuff. Well, how do you know you're still shaved? Because I can still speak in tongues. Well, what is it you're saying? Interpret it. Well, I don't know what I'm saying. The Bible says if there's anybody that speaks in tongues, let it be at by course and let it be at most by three. One speaks, one interprets, and one witnesses it yes, sir. to make sure there's no sham. Now, the Bible said if there's not an interpreter, speak to yourself. Right. Amen. So how come you're speaking in tongues and nobody can understand you? Amen. And you show them where it says language. How hard are we ever, man, in our own language. I mean, it's just as clear as a nose on your yes, face. There's no question about it all. And they say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, you keep on butting, you'll recognize you're a goat, not a sheep. Sheep don't butt, goats butt. Billy Goat's gr- uh, gruff he is a, a goat that butts all the time. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I'm believing in what the book says. Do you ever doubt your salvation? God help you man I'm around the saints today y'all are like no man not me I have I've doubted my salvation before not long but I've doubted it before how could you doubt something you never had and put a hundred dollar bill in your pocket right now and I know I hand it to you and you put it in your pocket and you get to the house and you reach in there and honey preacher give me a hundred dollars man I was going to frame it because that never happened before any (laughs) time Where's that $100? How did you know you had it? Preacher gave it to me. How do you know you had your salvation? Somebody making you doubt it. You say, why are you doubting it? Well, it ain't God making you doubt it. That's the devil making you doubt that. You say, why? Because as long as he makes you doubt it, you're not going to do anything for him. I can guarantee you, if you're honest, and you read your Bible anytime at all, you know what you're going to say at some point in time? You read your Bible and say, man, if I'm saved, how could a saved man do and think what I just did and thought? If you're an honest person. And you look at that thing, and that's the time where the Holy Spirit will come down and say, Well, I saved you, but we could do a little uh, Fuller's brush and some Ajax, couldn't we? Amen. Yes, sir, Lord, I need you to wash me in the blood and cleanse Amen. me. And I never realized how wicked I can be. The Lord said, Yeah, any man left to his own self and destruction, pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit for destruction. Let's get that cleaned up. And out comes a Fuller brush and rubs you raw. You say what? That means I'm saved. I'm his. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That means every now and then he's got to put me on the wash rack and wash me up. You say that doesn't mean I'm lost anything. You know what that means? That means that I got off the track and conviction is good evidence that I'm saved. The devil could care less that I'm doing wrong. Who's convicting me? Well, it's just your conscience. Oh, come on. Your conscience doesn't convict you of all the stuff you do wrong. I mean, aren't there things you do right now your conscience don't bother you at all? It's just as cold as a cucumber. It's calloused over man like somebody's had a pickaxe in their hand for days and days and days. Come on. Your conscience does that? I don't believe that. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit going, hey, boy. Amen. My daddy called me that. I told some friends of mine the other day. My daddy called me Boyd till the day he died. Last thing I remember him saying is, hey, boy, come over here. That's some of the sweetest words I ever heard. Oh, what does he think he is? How big they grow boys? Oh, shut up, man. That's so so ridiculous. Get over yourself. You have to convince somebody you're a man if they call you a boy. There's something wrong with you. You must have a backbone like a stinking cotton string or something. You know, you're offended because they called you a boy. I know the connotation back in the days of slavery. We're not in the days of slavery. I wasn't a slave. My daddy called me boy. get so tight. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. I don't make a big deal out of that stuff. But my my daddy would call me in there. But you know what my father, heavenly father does sometimes? He'd say, hey boy. And I'll say, yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) I know what's coming. You say, what is that? That's a relationship. He cares about me. I like when he says, better not. You say, what do you get out of that? See, I'm different than a lot of people. I believe that's eternal security. (laughs) I don't think the devil cares at all. And my flesh, I know it doesn't care. That's the Lord telling me, it'll be better if you don't. And I think I must be saved because if I wasn't, he wouldn't care. That's a great thing. These modern (laughs) preachers trying to take guilt off the table. My foot, man, guilt's a great thing. I mean, you feel bad about doing wrong? Good. You should. My dad had blistered my hind end, man. And I know some of you disagree with all that. I mean, I didn't get whippings. I got whoopings, man. Me and my brother and my sister, my my sister, she didn't hardly get any, man. She was a little stinging angel. But, um, you know, but she's a good woman. I'm not saying that she wasn't, but just seemed a little inequitable at times. (laughs) My brother and I got caught doing about everything you could do, you know. But but you you ought to take great solace in the fact that the Lord cares enough about you to clean you up. He'd whoop my hind in, and then after it was over, he'd say, dry it up. i give you something to cry about. You already did, you know. And then he'd say, sit there a while and think about it. Or he'd say, let that sink in. I'm thinking it's sinking. (laughs) You say, what would you do? I didn't go to the HRS and say... You know what? I knew a lot of kids I grew up with. They didn't have a daddy to give them a whooping. They didn't have anybody that cared about them. They just ran wild all the time. They just went hog wild all the time. Nobody in the parking lot to pick them up after practice or anything. Nobody in the parking lot to pick them up after school. Nobody to come into class to have a teacher's meeting because they were failing a class and all that kind of stuff. Nobody to come in after the principal got them and the coach got them to dust their hind in again when they got home. Nobody cared about them. You know, one of the greatest things, if I could get across to you, the fact that you're saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit is the fact that at times he's going to come tighten you up. Yep. Amen. Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. Whom the Lord loveth. He likes it. He said, hey, come here. Talk to you. Yeah, why? Because I love you. Because I care about you. That's a great way to show kids that you care about them. You know a way you show them you don't care? You just let them go hog wild. You never do anything to try to stop them. That means you don't care. It's not worth your effort. I look back now and I feel sorry for my mom and daddy, the stuff that I had to have put them through and how difficult it must have been for them to have to go through. It upsets the whole household. All of a sudden, I've ruined their day because I have to step in there and make them correct me. That takes time. It takes emotion. And for them to do that, and I look back on it now and I think, I was fortunate. I was fortunate. I had both a mama and a daddy. I know some of you raised, but you didn't have a daddy. You don't know who he is. You had a father, but you didn't have a daddy. I had both. You so, said, man, to hear what you said. Yeah, it was rough at times, but every everyone I got, I deserved. <laughs> and he's gone now, so he can't get me for the ones I didn't. <laughs> but uh, there's a few I got away with. But I knew it would catch up with me sooner or later. All right, let me give you this real quick. Ephesians 5, verse number 30, and we'll take a... Uh, break here. Uh, the Bible says for members of his body. So you're part of him. Of his flesh and of his bones. Why is that good? Because that way you're in his body. You can't fall out of it. For this call shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. The wife see that she reverence her husband. I'm not going to get into all that kind of stuff. That has to do with deep respect and admiration for the man that you married. But I won't preach on that today, ladies. I'll let you off the hook. But you know what he just said right there? He said, you're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You say what? You're baptized into his body. So when people tell you that you can lose your uh, salvation, you have to tell them, my Lord is not a Frankenstein. What does that mean? You don't get cut out and then put back in and then get cut out and then get put back in. You're not in the palm of his hand. You're in his hand, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You can't fall out. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, you in this age, saved by grace through faith, you're the only ones that are in the body of Christ. Nobody else except the bride of Christ that's saved by grace through faith, Paul's gospel revealed to him. Nobody else has that privilege. And as eternity rolls on, you'll become more and more. You'll be more rare than the Hope Diamond. And as time goes on, they'll be looking at you and saying, "Man, you're you're the bride of Christ. You got saved by grace through faith plus nothing. You mean you're the ones that got the free gift? Yep, yep. Bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's your baptism." It's immersion. It's not sprinkling. Right. It's immersion.